Druids and cars go into festivals. They can chat about things. It's a druid podcast in cars. Sometimes the best parts of festivals are the discussions that surround them, reflections on what we did and heard, anticipation of what's to come, and processing what it all means in relation to our spiritual work. We wanted to help either introduce you to that phenomenon or extend it for you. That's what this is about. I'm Reverend Jana Vende. And I'm Reverend Michael J. Dangler. We're priests of Arnriach Fane and members of Three Cranes Grove ADF in Columbus, Ohio. We're recording these sessions actually live in cars, actually going to festivals and events, so you will hear road noise, turn signals, and navigation prompts. But that's part of what makes it fun. So... Sit back and enjoy Druids in cars going to festivals. So one of the things that comes up for um, I think a lot of a lot of people is what you do to connect to the natural world when you're not in a location that is particularly easy to get to the natural world. Cities, for example. Apartment buildings, dorms. All those kinds of places where it's difficult to get outside and to be private outside, I think. Yeah. Or there's just not a lot of, even if you can go outside and find somewhere that's private, like, it might just be grass. Yeah. Like, it's not super diverse necessarily. Not a full-on ecosystem to go spend time in. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that's a a pretty common problem. I also think it's a pretty modern problem. Um, We as pagans tend to equate our religion with a nature spirituality, uh, which is a a very romantic ideal. Um, One that I totally understand. I like nature a whole lot, and it's a, a big part of my own experience with religion and spirituality and things like that. But certainly ancient pagans were not all nature-dwelling sorts of folk. Yeah, I mean, like, they had cities and... Spent their whole lives in cities, not even getting out to the edges of them sometimes. Yeah. Um, to, To equate ancient paganism with living a rural non-urban life is silly to me only because it's hard for me to tell a million pagans in Rome that they're not pagan you know (laughs) yeah (laughs) but today that's the kind of experience that we have is you know our our religion grows out of these neoclassical neo-romantic movements about the benefits and the positive attributes of the countryside and the wild places. And so a lot of our literature and work revolves around that as well. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I think that it does so to the detriment of the work. I, I think that there's maybe more of a emphasis placed on it than there needs to be but I also fully understand hey I want to get out into nature I want to be away from all this stuff I think part of it is just also like 
beyond the desire to be out in nature because that is where you feel connected. Um, there's also this like dichotomy pushback of other people worship in buildings. Yeah. And whether it's just because you don't see yourself that way or whether it's because you have some sort of religious trauma that yep. makes it hard for you to worship in a building, yep. um, I think all of those things also kind of play into um, this desire to seek those natural places. They most certainly do. I mean, but when I think about my ideal church for our grove, there is a building involved, but there is certainly also not building areas that are yeah. very important to that whole notion. Um, the idea of having a church building that has access to the outside um, is something that, you know, if, if we were to buy land, yeah. I think that we would need that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I've seen fascinating options and configurations, including internal courtyards and, and yeah. all that kind of stuff too. So, uh, yeah, there's there's lots of different options, but um, the the whole I'm right there with everybody else and say, yeah, you know, I want my nature, my nature religion too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, how do you do that when it's not easy? Well, there, there is obviously the concept of nature is everywhere. You can find nature everywhere. But in a lot of ways, I, I think that's a little bit of a patronizing response to, to say, well, you know, you can still go out and find nature or, you know, you just need to pay better attention, which is usually how that conversation yeah. tends to go. And I, I, don't, I don't like having that kind of conversation. I also... I mean, nature's great and all, but if the nature I'm finding is the bugs that live in my basement, yeah. not necessarily all about that. Yeah, I, I, I could see that. <laughs> the way that I tend to navigate that is I, I broaden my definition of the kinds of spirits I intend or expect to encounter. Accident ahead on New York State Thruway and in a quarter mile. You're still on the fastest route. Oh. Okay. I think that's the accident there, though. Yeah. I don't think it's going to affect us. But uh, by broadening that, what I mean is that I'm looking for, instead of animal spirits or plant spirits even, I'm looking for spirits of place. And the, the way that I have tended to connect with nature is that... I connect with the place, the space that I am in, whether that is the house spirits or whether that is, you know, the, the, the spirits of the animals that happen to live there or even, you know, uh, a, a spirit of a place that I have developed within my space, um, an altar space or something like that. There is something natural to reach out to there as well, even if it's in the domain of uh, human-made space. Um, so the first place that I tend to look is at spirits of place. And in a city, they're very different than 
they are out in the country, I tend yeah. to think. Yeah. Um, there are indeed spirits of glass and steel. There are spirits of rubbish bins and things like that. And you can find them also to connect with and to, to understand and to figure out your ecosystem in the local area. Yeah, when I think about um, spirits of place in the house spirit manner, like I have my um, like my house serpent, which is a very Greek thing. Um, yeah, there's David. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so I have like that kind of house spirit and I also have like the more kind of numinous uh, spirits that dwell with me in my house and they're not super like quantifiable um, or identifiable in a way that's easy to explain but they're clearly there um, but also depending on like the age of the place you live it's very easy to see like wooden beams and stuff like that and I, I've found it interesting to connect to like that particular spirit because you know it used to be a tree um so it's definitely I mean like it's not preferable for me compared to going outside and finding like live trees yeah. but it's a, it's an interesting experience to kind of feel this like ghost of a tree yeah um, and bricks are made of mud yeah you know, mud and clay and things like that they, they are very earthy things um they, they have obviously encountered that spirit of fire as well mm -hmm. the, the fire department so yeah the constituent things that make up the construction that we live in and experience are things worthy as well of recognition and understanding yeah I know one of the things that um, a lot of people suggest is like bringing plants into your home yeah tell you what I black thumb if they are in my house like I, I am plant hospice if they come into my house like dying. they are coming there to die <laughs> so uh, I have success with plants like outside in my garden and in pots outside but if they are in my house it is it's not good for them um, but I also feel like a good alternative to that is building like a terrarium kind of yeah. of you know sand and rocks and maybe a dish of water that you can put in there um if you want greenery i mean fake plants are fake plants i i like silk plants if i'm gonna go fake but um not a big fan of the petroleum-based ones? No. <laughs> <laughs> Those were dinosaurs once. <laughs> I mean, sure. <laughs> uh, you have a T-Rex in your, your fake garden. <laughs> but, I mean, those, like, that is an option because you are aiming to feel the connection. And I think those are things that can facilitate that feeling of connection. They can indeed. The, the, the real problem with fake plants of course you have to dust them yes you know I, I i don't think that there's a lot of value necessarily of putting something up and forgetting about it because then it's not part of your practice it's just 
greenery decoration. Um, but well, that's why I think like terrarium, like yeah. it's a very intentional, this is my space to feel connected to nature in a place where I don't feel connected. Right. The other thing that is worth doing is uh, looking at seasonal decoration that is live. So wreaths mm-hmm. around Christmas time and Yuletide, um, holly, that sort of stuff that you can bring in. Um, live Christmas trees, if you're into that. Not everyone is, uh, but some people are allergic, frankly. Pumpkins. So that's another consideration. Pumpkins, jack-o'-lanterns, stuff like that. Corn Flowers, stalks. corn stalks. There are lots of options for bringing plants you don't have to take care of. Baby goats. I mean, yes, you can bring in baby goats, I suppose. I would love to have baby goats in my house. Actually, I probably wouldn't, but I would like to think that I would. I mean, it's probably not the best way to, you know, connect with nature in a New York apartment or, you know, on a ship at sea, but yeah, I I could see that. Um, The other way, of course, is fresh produce. Um, check out your local farmer's markets because most cities these days in particular have a farmer's market or even a bodega, um, something that gets in fresh local produce and try and eat with the season as best you can. Mm -hmm. Um, That can get expensive sometimes, but it's also one of the less expensive ways to get a lot of fruit and veggies into your diet is to eat with the season because they are cheaper yeah. during those times. But that, that can help kind of attune to those cycles of nature. There's a great book called The uh, Vegetarian Epicure, which is planned out by season and has like meal plans for early spring, late spring, summer and so it goes through and it it focuses on using the ingredients that are in season at that time does it do it by climate zone i don't know it's been a while since i've opened it up and stuff but i think that would be an interesting thing to look at mostly because you know what's in season in ohio is not the same thing as what's in season in georgia or texas for example yeah i don't remember but i i do like how it is laid out by by season yeah something on the tip of my tongue that I was thinking and I don't remember what it was now. And I don't know where it went. So that thought is probably gone. <laughs> and it's something to do with the process of uh, eating seasonally and, and following the changes. Oh, now I remember. Just took a minute of reciting what I just said to get there. Um, The other thing to do is to look at astronomical phenomena that happen that you can see. um, Sunrise and sunset. um, Moonrise and moonset. Those are are things that even in a light-polluted city, you can still experience and see and notice. Mm-hmm. And, that and goes a long way. weather patterns too, like, I mean, storms, the little spirally wind thingies that happen on the sidewalk where it picks up the leaves, um, 
dust devils. Dust devils. I was like, the, you know, the, the things. Those, that... yeah, those. <laughs> you can't see me, but I'm sitting here spinning my finger in a circle. <laughs> um, yeah, stuff like that um, is, is also... Yeah, I mean, if you collect rainwater and then set it out under the full moon and make moon water out of it... Mm-hmm. That sort of thing connects you to nature, too. And that doesn't require anything more than a jar and, some, and a window. Um, what you use that for, you know, up to you. But um, it's a, a good way to kind of collect and connect. Yeah. To, to the way that nature evolves around you. Well, and to just be... Um, mindful. To, yeah, to be mindful and bring it into your awareness and follow those cycles and seasons. Yeah, I, I think learning how to follow them and, and understand them is one of the things that anyone can do. I mean, you know when it gets too cold and you have to put on a coat. You know when it's you know too hot and you're not going to wear that coat anymore. Um, doing spring and fall cleaning and exchange of wardrobe stuff um, is another way you can kind of maintain that connection to cycles and seasons. Yeah, I, um, so I also have this very silly thing that I do, um, which is, so you know how there's like the signs of the high days where like, uh, Imolk is when the, uh, sheep start lactating, Yep. right? So there's, there's that stuff and there either very specific natural phenomena like that or their specific astronomical things. Um, I really like the urban druidry figuring out what those signs are for you. Yeah. Um, and I'm pretty sure I've mentioned this before, but like Imolk in central Ohio is when it's pothole season. Yep. Because the it has been wet from the snow melting as we start getting the weird like sun that melts everything on the roads that are fragile because they've been oversalted and the frozen puddles have expanded and broken apart the the pavement and now we're left with these enormous potholes yep. so like my sign that it's Imolk is when it's pothole season like it seems to happen about that time every year yeah, it's also the time we're doing our stay-at-home mood. And, and we're, we're driving a lot. Driving over all yeah. the <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but figuring out, like, what kinds of things um, connect to that for you. So, like, right now in, uh, like, autumn equinox in my house is when I get up with the kids in the morning. It's still dark. No, and I can't walk into my kitchen because of the way the windows are that we have no blinds there's like this one hour chunk of time during that particular time of year when it's just blinding like you walk into it and you can't you're like squinting and you can't see anything because the the sun is just shining in that way and so along with that round about the winter solstice Every year in my office, my office is, for my day job, my office is in a warehouse, and there are no windows, and the only window that there is, is down a long hall out the front door, and it just so happens that it lines up with the setting sun 
for about 10 minutes right before 5 p.m. The sun is just high enough over the, uh, the horizon and just low enough to come in the window and it strikes the wall in <laughs> pretty close to where my desk is. And not only uh, have I figured out that, you know, this happens right around, you know, it's right around December uh, 15th-ish, I think, 15th, 12th, 12th to 15th, so it's not quite right, right around the solstice, but um, it, it has confirmed that not only do I work in a deep, dark place, but there's also a passage tomb <laughs> that I work in, and every time I see that, I'm like, hey, look, we finally get sunlight for, you know, maybe 10 days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At just this particular time. But, I mean, the way that buildings line up and um, the, the way the light comes through windows, all of that can give you a clue about where you are in the year. Yeah. Uh, and it takes a long period of observation to get there. Yeah, but I think ultimately when we think about this connection to nature, it a lot of it boils down to this awareness and learning to see the patterns of the world around you and learning to see um, the things that happen in your life. Because like the nature spirits are you know, arguably the closest to us yeah. because they, they just exist around us. And so by slowing down a little bit and giving intentional thought to those things, I think is like a good first step on building a connection to the nature spirits and stuff. I agree. Thanks for listening. And there's more to come. We welcome your ideas and questions. If there's something you would like to hear us discuss in a future episode, please drop us a line at druidsandcars at threecranes.org. If you'd like to donate, you can do so at threecranes.org slash donate. Druids and Cars Going to Festivals is a production of Three Cranes Grove ADF in Columbus, Ohio. Our theme song's lyrics were written by Arthur Shipkowski, and the music is written and recorded by Mike Beershank. Learn more about our grove at threecranes.org and more about druidry at adf.org. As always, keep circulating the tapes and let us pray with a good fire.